lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Greetings. Uh, welcome to Lit with Lloyd. I am Lloyd Russell, your host. And uh, thanks to KCAT TV and radio, uh, we get to do this show. Uh, and today, uh, I'm happy to introduce you all to Killian McRae. Uh, I have known Killian since shortly after we started our book club at Recycle Bookstore back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And Killian was one of our very first interviews for the book club. Uh, and now, eight years later, we're going to get caught up and uh, find out what she's been doing all this time. So welcome, Killian, and uh, it's really great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful to see you as well, yes. You're one of my favorite book people. Oh, good. Well, thank you. All right. Let's start with how many books have you written? The last I saw when I went on your website was 33. Oh, that's not right. I've definitely not written 33. Uh, I guess it depends on what your definition of a book is. How many titles do I have might be a better question. Okay. And I have, that's about, sounds about right, maybe 35 titles. Uh, Some of those are full-length novels, some are novellas, some are short stories. Okay. All right, but 35 35 published things. 35-ish, yeah. (laughs) Mm. Close enough, okay. Um, What genres do you write in? Well, I started out as a romance writer when I um, first started publishing, and uh, I now call myself a reformed romance writer. (laughs) Lately, in the last uh, five years or so, I've been specializing more in urban fantasy and science fiction, although I did do one romance title that's actually here on the screen with some qualifications. (laughs) And I did do a uh, three-part novella series that was a historical fantasy but it was related to one of my urban fantasies. Okay. Uh, And are you satisfied staying in those genres? No, God, no. (laughs) Why? There's so many others I could do. Do you want to think about it first before you answer? Or I I guess you kind of know that you're going to do other stuff. I I want to do, what what can I do is a better question, but uh, I want to do many things. I am happy, however, where I am right now. Okay, good. All right, so the cover on this book shows two names. So did you co-write this with someone? Yes, I co-wrote it with me. Uh, Me and me had some creative differences, but we worked it out in the end. Uh, God, she just was such a pain to work with. Uh, Killian is is the pen name under which I originally wrote romance novels. And I stopped writing romance novels in 2015. Uh, when I switched over to urban fantasy, I took up that name that there's on top, and that's Kendra Meeks. Kendra, yes, a lot of people ask me how do you say that. And I say, it's not real. You can say it however you want. I say it Kendra. And Kendra Meeks specializes in urban fantasy and science fiction. Uh, and then um, I have uh, two other pen names, too, because why not? Why not, right? Uh, I, I did uh, take a brief detour into new adult romance, which is, is romance, but it's a very specific kind of romance. So I had a pen name for that and that was um, Mary Kay Cicero Uh, she still has one title out there somewhere and then occasionally um, I don't know if you've picked up on this Lloyd I'm a bit of a smart ass so sometimes I like to write stuff that's just for fun and tends to be satirical and uh, Sarah Chasm writes my satirical stuff so she has a few books out as well 
it is not a shock to me that you write some things that are just a little bit satirical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but your question was, how did this end up like this? So um, this came out in 2018, if I'm remembering right. And Venice Dusk is set in the wider world of my urban fantasy novels. But this is a romance title. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, there is a woman, she gets seduced by a vampire, there's romance. Huh. Um so I decided that when I was publishing it, not only did I want to put this out for my urban fantasy people, because they already know this world, but uh, for some of my readers from my romance days who I thought would also like this title. Therefore, I decided to co-brand it with both names on it when I published it. And you said 2018? I think so. I think so. And and was it well received by all those different groups? It was it seemed to be better received by the romance readers. Uh urban fantasy people sometimes will also read romance but not specifically. It's not a it's like a 50-50 crossover, right? Uh there were definitely some who really loved it. There was my editor in particular actually wanted me to just start writing this series exclusively. Um, <laughs> and huh. still every so often sends me a message about, um, hey, hey, you got another one of those uh, huh. Vampire Sovereign books coming out? Because I might like that one. Um, yeah, but I, I, a pen name is a brand. Um, you know, like a Coca-Cola. But Coca-Cola also makes Nesty, at least uh -huh. I, I think it's Coca-Cola. I'm hoping <laughs> I'm right. Um, and, you know, you would never buy a Nesty expecting a fizzly, fizzly, bubbly, carbon-only drink, right? That's a Coca-Cola, but it's the same company. So same thing with, with uh, books. If, if you develop a pen name, you have a certain expectation of what goes with that. And uh, so Kendra's pen name is urban fantasy and, and science fiction. And Killian is romance. So it made sense for these two to cross at this point. Do you copyright a pen name? Copyright a pen, or do you just you pick can't. something? You can't. You can't. No. You, I suppose you could argue that you might be able to trademark a pen name. Uh huh. But the only circumstance I could think of, and of course I'm no lawyer, so you know I'm not talking about legal things. But the only case I could think of where that might make sense is if you have multiple authors who are all writing in the in the avatar of that particular author, then uh -huh. that might be a trademark. Yeah. But uh, I yeah. Uh, generally authors don't do that sort of thing. How do you come up with the names of your books? Mm -hmm. uh, how did you come up with the names of your pen names? I mean, there's, you know, when, when you're talking about roughly 35 titles, mm -hmm. that's, a lot of, that's a lot of names. I just wonder about this with all, all of you authors. How do you do that? And how do you come up with the names inside the book? Because... If you're talking about urban fantasy, you're probably not going to have a lot of Johns and Marys. I don't know about that necessarily. In fact, John and Mary are two, um, two characters in one of my favorite <laughs> urban fantasy slash paranormal romance books in the Black Dagger Brotherhood. Uh, but it, it's, you know, I was actually just reading another author today who was talking about this topic. <laughs> it's that it's, again, going back to that brand, right? You have certain expectations. If I'm going to pour you a beer, you're not going to expect me to give it to you in a Dixie cup. You're going to want it in a glass stout, right? That's how it's, a beer is supposed to be served. At least I hope so. I don't drink. Is that right? Does that sound right? I don't drink beer either, so I can't. Wine comes in a wine glass, right? You, you wouldn't put it in a teacup. You know, these sort of things. So when you're delivering a genre book to a genre audience, there are certain things they expect. Uh, now, as far as pen names goes, 
I can't even remember where I got Killian McRae from. I I don't know. My very first title that I was writing, it wasn't the first one I released, but the first one I was writing was an Irish romance. And I think that had something to do with the selection. Now, Killian is a name that I go by. It's not my legal name, but it's a name that I have used ever since seventh grade for various things. I was uh, part of a generation where there was a plethora of Kellys. So in my, in my little, you know, country school there in our class of about 125 people, there were like eight Kellys. So we all had to distinguish ourselves in some ways. Right. So that was the direction I went. I went with making myself a Killian. It has nothing to do with the beer. I get that sometimes. I've never drank a Killian's Red. I don't know what it tastes like. Um, Kendra Meeks. Now, that was that was a branding thing to me. Taking Kendra, which sort of sounds uh, slightly Gaelic. You know, it's a little exotic. You know, it's a name you hear, but it's not a name you hear often. But then just giving you that little twist with that eye at the end. <laughs> and Meeks, I just like the idea of um, sounding very cowardly and small. Um, I like things that allude to being small and, and overlooked and, you know, just tiny and small. Um, Mary Kay Cicero. I actually chose Cicero as a homage to Cicero. <laughs> um big history fan and uh sarah chasm if you look at her name as it's written you sort of understand where that comes from right can you can you hear it when i say it sarah chasm she writes satire her name is sarah chasm okay oh i got it okay. yeah so it's just another little tongue and yeah and cheek thing and then the same thing with the characters so i mean no i mean i don't have many johns and marys <laughs> but i have some people with pretty average names i have a tobias in one of my series uh, it's not a very common name but it's no. not an out there name you know and uh, a cody uh-huh. and uh and uh but yeah my heroine's name is gerwalta which is not a common <laughs> name right but it's part of the branding she's she comes from this long line of uh female German warriors who sort of keep werewolves in line. So I needed to give her a strong Germanic name. And that was the one I chose for her. And all of her family, her mother is Brunhild, you know, (laughs) and just, it it keeps with the, with the theme. So it's just, it helps to reinforce the world you're building by giving your characters these slightly unusual um, names. And of course you're writing fantasy, anything, you know, you can throw letters together like you've set the alphabet on scramble it's fine um as long as you can tell your readers how to pronounce them yeah well it ties in to the fact that kcat uh just had the their very first oktoberfest <laughs> festival a couple of weeks ago here wunderbar <laughs> yeah so you know speaking of german names mm-hmm. uh, that and we had a german band and the whole thing so yeah i get the connection was there lederhosen oh yeah all that stuff okay yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so how many different series do you have? Oh, God. Not all my books are in series. Some of them are standalones. Got it. Uh, under Romance, I wrote one series. Um, that was the uh, the Pure Soul series. That was a four-book series with a, a very risque novella that went with it as well. <laughs> and then when I switched over to Romance, uh, sorry, when I switched over to Urban Fantasy... Um, I started out with a Red Riding Hood-based urban fantasy series uh, called The Red Chronicles. And I got about halfway through that, and I realized to have the the total backstory of my character's legacy, I actually, it it would help me if I just wrote the the story of her ancestor. 
Uh, so I went ahead and did that, and that's the historical fantasy. So that's a different series. Um, Enter the Kingdom is uh, my twist on Cinderella. It's a cyberpunk science fiction book <laughs> where instead of... Um, Instead of dirty houses and dirty fireplaces, my Cindera, her name is Cindera, <laughs> has to clean up dirty computer code in a virtual reality world uh, for her father and her stepmother. Um, and those are my those are my four series that I've done. And are you are you done with any of those permanently, or might you write? A book on for each one. I don't think I could go back to Pure Souls at this point. Um, not only because I don't generally feel I could write romance right now, but uh, just because I feel it wrapped up pretty well. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I did contemplate and even spoke publicly about maybe doing a a um, a uh, what's it called when you spin spinoff spinoff series <laughs> on it. But I think I've I've had enough distance from that voice uh, of of that iteration of myself ten. 12 years ago that I don't think I could get back to it yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, the the Red Riding Hood series, uh, the two series, are part of this bigger world that I'm building and the, that this book is actually also a part of. So yes, that will go on. I'm actually starting to write and develop um, the next series that's in that world and I also have three other series planned in that same world. So those will go on. The Enter the Kingdom is... Um, it currently has one book and a short story and a novella out. Uh, the second book in that series is currently with the editor. Uh -huh. and I should be getting it back any day now. And that will wrap up that series. So it's just going to be a duology with two other little shorter works that go along with it. Well, I, I, I'm anxious to hear about the, the whole publishing process for you. So uh, we'll get to that. But right now, we have to take a quick break. And then we'll be back with Killian McRae who I just found out that's not her real name. Thank you to the city of Montessorino for their continued support of KCAT Public Media. The city of Montessorino has enabled KCAT to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you. Uh, and we are back with Killian McRae and whatever her born name is, uh, we, we don't need to know that because I know her as Killian McRae. It's irrelevant. It is, but anyway, uh, so, Let's get into the whole publishing process. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about how you got published. Uh, did you get a publisher? Have you had multiple publishers? Have you self-published? Uh, I, I think we're all interested to know, especially with so many books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My very first book, which is no longer available, but it was a, uh, it was a science fiction book. It was um, an archeological thriller. Um, maybe alternative history even you might say but it had gods and goddesses in it so there definitely was a magical element it was picked up by a small publisher that was just getting going back in those days and um, I was a brand new baby author didn't know any better and uh -huh. they told me we're going to publish your book but you have to rewrite the ending because we only put out rom romance books so you have to end with you have to have a romantic ending and there was a B story in it that was you know, a light romance. So it wasn't that much. I didn't have to put anything artificial in there. I just had to change what the focus ended up being in the end. And I, I regretted that tremendously as I came to know more. It was the wrong thing for the book. 
Um, and they also picked up my second book, uh, which was a romance. It was a historical, it was the um, Irish romance that I mentioned earlier. And as they were in contract with that, um, I, I came to sort of regret the direction I was going with them. And at that time, it was, it was, this was about 2011, and it was becoming very viable at that time to self-publish. And I thought, well, I already have these two titles. I might as well try it out. And if it fails, eh, it fails, you know. So I, I asked for my rights back, and we negotiated that. And um, yeah, and since then, I've been entirely 100% self-published. Wow. I, I have my own publishing brand that I use. Ah. Uh, I've occasionally had other authors, you know, uh, guest star in my, uh-huh. uh, in my publishing house. But it's basically just been me, uh, all four versions of me. And uh, uh, I am now at a point where I might consider going more traditional, um, but I'm also very happy if I were just to continue self-publishing. I've had a short story here and there picked up by a publisher, but nothing of great significance. Uh, if you decided that you wanted to try the traditional again, would you would you bring some of your existing uh, back to to see if that if the publisher would take it, or would you just use them moving forward? I would I would want something that was very unique for just them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would like to keep this world, this larger world that I'm writing in right now, separate. That's that's my thing. Okay. It, it doesn't fit a lot of the traditional um, requirements, and I don't want to change what it is because it's already pretty established with the readers. Here's a question that I haven't thought to ask until tonight. Uh, how do you get the models for the covers? <laughs> Well, Lloyd, that's a great question. Uh, what most of us indie authors, and that's what most of us self-published authors call ourselves as indie authors, uh, what we do is we will hire uh, companies to design the covers for us, and they have a wide selection of uh, royalty-free art that they use and they photo manipulate. Um, this uh, cover I made. This is me. I mean, obviously that's not me, but this I, I did this artwork. And yeah, she's just a, she's a royalty-free picture that I paid for licensing rights to huh. and uh, then f- photo manipulated her to look her the way that I wanted and, and did the background and the uh, typography and everything. But um, uh, if if you look at enough, especially indie covers, you'll, you'll start to see indie covers, especially in the same genre, you'll start to see the same faces popping up here and there. In fact, I just saw somebody couple days ago who had the same exact uh pose and model that i had Uh, on one of my uh, covers uh, uh, and uh but i liked her cover so much more and uh, i wrote to her and i said i have that woman on my cover i have her in that pose on my cover but your cover's so much better uh, it's like your 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 cover artist did a much better job with her than mine did well what was the name of the of the guy in the romance novels with the long hair with a one one word name you know who I'm talking about? Fanta? No, that's no. I right. can't. Re- I can't retrieve his name. But it was the Italian guy. And, and yes, I mean, yes. I guess he was on a million different covers. Uh, well, I don't know about. Yeah, he was in quite Not a few. Not necessarily a million, but yes, but a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know, and you'll still see that these days. Uh, there are models that become popular with the traditional romance people. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's uh you know uh, when you come to it when you're in a genre. Um, certain tropes tend to get displayed on covers and certain already available images tend to speak to those and you know why reinvent the wheel so especially you know in in a genre where there's a lot of releases going on all the time you can't have a unique person on 
each and every one. It would just take too much money to hire the model and do the shoot and pay for all the rights. Um, So unless you're a very high, high income earning author or just very full of yourself and say, I must have my own cover. You're generally not going to do that. Your your cover's function is to tell your reader, is to make your reader a promise. Here's what I'm giving you. And if you find something that works for that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, um, a cover is important, but it's not as important as a lot of other people sometimes think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and do the models, do they get asked to be in, in, in a particular cover or do they just... I mean, do they do they sell their likeness and? Generally, it's the photographer who pays them for the rights to specific sessions, and then the photographer will list the images for either an exclusive sale or for a, a temporary licensing right. So uh, we don't want to have to get too far down in the weeds, but there are websites that many of us in the industry know um, who uh, will go to these sites and and you know choose somebody that we think would work for our cover. You know, we want it. It doesn't have to look exactly like the character, but it should be somewhat representative. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And uh, it's it's a whole industry now. So um, the indus the indie industry, self publishing industry, isn't just about authors. It's given rise to this whole industry of people who support all the authors that need all these things: editors, uh, proofreaders, uh, uh, copy artists, cover artists, um, uh, PR people, advertising specialists brand builders. I mean, there is a whole industry of people who live in this world and make a living off this world now. Well, a good friend of of our sons, you know, he has his own uh, narrating company. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and are are you picking the narrator? Yes, I am. Do you have pretty much, do you have like a small crop of, of narrators you use or do you use a lot of different narrators? I have used maybe six different narrators to this point. Okay. And uh, I had a narrator who did my entire um, Red Chronicle series, uh, except for the very first book. Um, that has a different narrator, but I have a narrator who did the other five books, and I love her. She was great. Erin Parker, love her. And uh, moving moving into my next series, it's sort of a slightly different tone, uh-huh. so I'd probably choose somebody else. But I, I, I know several authors who find somebody who thinks speaks their voice well yeah, and yeah. will stay with them. Lee Bardugo is a, is a great one, for example. She has two narrators that she works with, one man and one woman, and they do everything, no matter what she's writing. They do everything. And it's great. Wow. It's great. Uh, I'm a huge audiobook fan, so I'm sorry. This is my geek spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there are a, a couple of authors that we've interviewed that actually do their own narration. I will never do that. Yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least nothing on nothing novel length. I have, I actually did record my very first book that came out and released it as a podcast like 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Back when, um, back when podcasts were just becoming very popular. And uh, the amount of time it took to produce that audio was just immense. It's a very labor intensive. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the reasons that it costs so much money to produce an audiobook is it just takes so much time for them to do what they do and they do a great job and they get paid what they're worth. Um, but yeah, I, I at this point in my life I, maybe a short story here and there. I did do an <laughs> author's note on a recent release but yeah, nothing, nothing of any significant length. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it's, I, we listen to audiobooks too, uh, mm-hmm. more before the pandemic than now because we would be driving more mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Uh, and you know, a couple of them by the authors were just fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you know, I guess if they're 
good and they're getting good reviews, they'll keep doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, I listened to Coraline by Neil Gaiman, and he read it, and I couldn't imagine anybody else reading that book. Yeah. Like, it was it was exactly the way that he heard it in his head when he was writing it. Um, and, but, and some authors can't do that, you know, and... and uh, anybody who was unfortunate enough to listen to that podcast I recorded <laughs> probably said I shouldn't have done it. So. Well, I mean, we've certainly listened to some uh, some memoirs that were, you know, spoken by the actual memoiree. Uh-huh. That's probably Amy not a Polders, word. Amy Polders was fabulous. Oh, that I didn't see fabulous. that one. Yeah. We didn't hear that one. But Sally Field uh, did, you know, In Pieces. It mm-hmm. was really interesting. No, uh, Trevor Noah did Born a Crime. I heard some of that one, yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forget who else, but we've listened to oh, oh, uh, Michelle Obama doing uh, doing her big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, but it's an interesting concept. It sounds like it would be kind of fun, <laughs> even if, you know, even if you don't feel like it's the right voice. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what else is happening these days is um, we're finally at the age of AI narrators. Have you heard really? any of those? No. So... <sighs> Google just enabled this for, there's other services you could go out and hire to do this that have um, a slightly better quality, but Google has just made available in the last six months or so, their uh, bevy of AI voices for indie authors to be able to take their material and release them as AI audiobooks now. Wow. Have you heard any of them? I have one. I've done one of, two of mine actually now. I've done two of mine. And they're, they're sound like real people <laughs> they they sound like real people if they were talking very plainly uh-huh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it's it's what we're looking at it is it's just another tier because you know audiobooks can be very expensive because like i said it's very expensive to produce them and uh the files are huge so keeping them maintaining them and dispersing them also has some some cost involved but an ai audiobook can be produced as just as soon as somebody uploads the text and hits you know record wow and um so we're just looking at this it's not a competition to a professionally pos- uh, produced audiobook it's an alternative lower price tier for a person yep. that wants audio or needs audio yep. but can't afford to you know spend 15 20 25 dollars every time they want an audiobook yeah 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 that really makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. Uh, have you had any interest from TV or movie studios for any of your books? <laughs> no, no. Would you like that? No. You're not even interested in it? No. I mean, I might like to see my books in graphic form someday. Uh-huh. I could see that. But, I mean, I should I should qualify this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe any of the materials I currently have available would adapt well to a, um, an, a video how, how do we say this anymore? Because you can't say movie, right? Cause <laughs> streaming, I don't know. It, it, a video treatment, maybe. Um, an acting treatment. Um, I might write something someday that does. In fact, I have a I have an idea for a screenplay I would like to write someday, um, which is goes back to your any other genres question. Oh, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, nothing I've currently written. I don't think it would adapt well. What do you what do you have coming next? Next, the uh, second book in the Enter the Kingdom series will be coming out just as soon as I'm able to get the uh, the materials back from the editor and get them processed, which will probably be sometime in November. 
Okay. Uh, which I think it's probably about the time this will hit. Right? <laughs> and uh, I'm currently working on writing the first book in what is uh, the series that follows uh, my Red Hood series, uh-huh. uh, which is called Slayers, Inc. So it takes some characters from that series and gives them their own little spinoff world in Chicago. Nice. And uh, I've been on and off writing that for two years. I needed to take a little break <laughs> <laughs> from that world. I just I was I was in it for four years, and I just sort of got sick of the characters and just needed to take a breather from it. Um, so now I'm back writing it again, and that will be the the next series that comes on. I'm hoping I can get that first book out sometime early in 2023. And how many books a year do you write? It's <sighs> a good question. I used to be able to write two or three a book a year, and uh, I actually this I released this one in summer of 2020, and that was my last release. Oh wow! I haven't released another until book this one coming next month. Yeah, well, I have another job, so um, uh, I have another job that's in real estate, and ah. uh, I don't know if you heard, but real estate was crazy the last few years. <laughs> there was money falling from the sky, right? And I said to myself, I could work on my books that which may or may not sell, or I could go get a net and go get some of this money that's falling out <laughs> of the sky. So I took a little time off to do that. And uh, I have that money now. <laughs> the real estate industry has tanked, so now I'm back to writing. Um, it, it works, it works, you know. I'm sure my re- readers aren't very happy. It's like, oh, good for you, you got money. Um, but yes, I'm back, I'm back to writing now. Okay, well, I think on, on you know, catching money in a net is a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just where we start. Yes. <laughs> Uh, not surprisingly, this was so enjoyable, and it's great to catch up with you. Oh, it's so good to see you, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, that closes the book on this podcast. I want to thank uh, KCAT, uh, as always, for uh, sponsoring this and, and uh, taking care of all the behind-the-scenes stuff so that you guys can listen or see our podcast. Uh, I want to thank Killian again for coming uh, onto the show, and uh, we will see you next time. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio. (music) 